Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's, it's only, only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. a podcast. day it may be folks welcome to another fun-filled frightful semi-informative often fallible but damn we try to be funny episode of the podcast macabre i'm chris i'm joe i'm jenny and boy do i have a tale to tell you guys dawn everyone gather around the fire (laughs) careful i might throw you in it (laughs) another one for the fire you know, I find myself saying that a lot. That's another one for the fire. <laughs> oh my uh, god. Dunn has tales of adventures that she's been saving all week. She hasn't even shared it up on Facebook just for you, the dear listeners. And oh, us. no, 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 no. It wasn't all week necessarily. Okay. But it, you might as well say it started with, uh, yeah, with Monday when our system went down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's oh so understanding when a computer crashes. They think, you know, <laughs> it's it's just that easy to process their prescription. Well, why can't you give me my prescription? I, I, I have a piece of paper right here. you got to give me my prescription. Let me explain how it works, nutbag. Mm-hmm. We take your prescription, scan it into a computer. If the computer is down... Guess what? We can't scan it. Now, let's move on to the next step, the processing part. I can scan it and process it, but without a computer, you can't do steps one and two. So guess what won't happen next? You're not going to get your fucking prescription. Have a nice fucking day. Don't hit the let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, as they say. So they're, they're also understanding about that. I have, then my, I, to, have my, I just got to interject now because we had shared sympathies. My computers have been just totally fucked up at work the last two nights, and that's been a lovely, lovely bit of hell. So. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> when I went in there the next day, the computers were still down. And I even got in there extra early to see if you know they were up. So for the majority that I was there, we really just it, it just took scripts in and said, okay, well we can't guarantee you they'll be done. Till tomorrow. It's 8 in the morning. What do you mean? Again, let me go over the computer process to you. So I digress. Moving on. Apparently, it came on an hour and a half after I left, and they forgot to call me back because I said I volunteered. They said I was just too busy. They didn't have a chance to pick up the phone and go, get back here. So the next day is my vacation. Okay. Wake up with a migraine. Lovely way to start a vacation. So we're trying to get the house ready, you know, going over the last minute things. Do we have everything we need? Da, 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 da. It's just a one fucking day vacation. You wouldn't think it would take a hell of a lot of, you know, stuff, but apparently it takes a lot of stuff. 
So I look at Amanda. I say, when should we go to bed? Eh, about 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock rolls around. I'm like, oh, maybe we should go to bed. It's like, you know, we got to wake up at 3 in the morning because we wanted to beat all this rush hour traffic in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Yeah, we have, we've, we should probably go to sleep. So 11 o'clock rolls around. We go to bed. <laughs> I can't fall asleep. Because my, my, uh, I'm on tense time because I'm going into Philadelphia, which I think I've only been to once before, but it was like so long ago, I don't remember shit about it. So I'm tense, I'm a little, uh, so I look at her, I go, I'm just gonna go downstairs and go to sleep on the couch, I'm gonna listen to an audiobook, see if that'll give me some sleep. So, I got three hours, lucky me. The dogs got about three hours because they're down downstairs looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing down here? Did you do something wrong again? Did you fart in bed? What What's going on? Um, so alarm clock goes off. I wake up. I'm getting all the stuff organized, unplugging stuff that I know, you know, my uh, sister and my mom-in-law, I guess, is not going to use while they're taking care of the other dog. And Amanda comes down and I'm looking. I'm like, now, do we have everything? Yes. Do I got the receipt for our booking for the hotel? By the way, keep that in mind, by the way. She's like, yep, I got it right here. So we get in the car. We take off. I'm debating if I want to stop at Tim Hortons to get some coffee, but decided against it. I'm like, we're already running like 15 minutes late. Let's just go. So. That that is a serious lateness if you're passing up coffee. Yeah, no shit. But again, this will play in in just a moment. So we enter into Ohio, and when you go off of I-75 onto 280, there's this big bridge that lights up. They usually have, like, different colors that they put up. I'm pretty sure when the Supreme Court, you know, did the whole thing on marriage equality, it was a fucking rainbow. So I'm telling Amanda this. I'm like, you know, that sometimes it's predominantly purple and blue. Sometimes it's the rainbow. Sometimes it's this. And she looks at it, and she goes, and now it's the colors of Africa. I don't know why I found that so funny, but I was, like, laughing so hard, I almost crashed the car. So I'm like, you know what? First rest stop, I I, I got to get some coffee because I was already starting to get sleepy. So we go to the first rest stop, go in. She's walking the dogs. <sighs> I'm standing there in line, waiting my turn. In front of me is this, like, I can only say can be best described as this knuckle-dragging, swamp-sucking, dumbass, motherfucking, bumfuck country dick. He's in front of me going, oh, I'd like to order uh, a number one. Is that all you want? Yep, the, the number one. Just a number one? A number one. The, the. She goes, okay, stand to the side. Uh, coffee's right over there. Your order will be up in just a minute. How can I help you? Me. I'd like two number threes with two large coffees, please. Okay, is that it? That's it. So Mr. Swamp Knuckle Dragger comes back in front of me. Number one. Is that me? Number one. Is that my order? Number one. I don't think that's my order. Two number threes. That's mine. Grabs it and runs. And I'm like, eh. Before I could even bring my hand up, go, dude, he was already out the door. Oh, shit. And the cashier looks at me and she goes, that was your order, wasn't it? I'm like, uh, yeah. I've got the coffee. She's like, uh, we, we got you, we got you. Uh, can we get two number threes real quick? Extra large hash browns, please. 
Like, how much how much larger can they fucking get? But I was cool with it. I was too tired to run after Knuckle Dragger and clothesline them. Although I wanted to go in the parking lot and go, you owe me $6 for your breakfast, asshole. So I get the order, after, and after I've been in there now 15 minutes, I go outside, I find Amanda, and she's kind of struggling with the dogs. So I, I'm like, okay, I got to try to help her out because we got to feed them now and all this other stuff. You know, it's about time for their feeding time. So I go and I put the coffee down on the seat. Just at that exact moment, one of the coffees fell over into the driver's seat and spilled half of it, saturating my car seat. And I'm like, God damn it! Now I want to find Knuckle Dragger so I can beat the shit out of him because now I'm annoyed. So I have to find a pillow, find it, my, take off my sweat jacket, cover up the seat so I don't ha- look like I just shit myself at the next rest stop. So we feed the dogs. I'm just sitting there just seething, just fucking annoyed, pissed off, you know, against everything. I'm even looking at, like, Juju going, you better not come near me. Somehow this is your fault. She pays me back. So we drive on further. I go, Amanda, j- just pop in a CD, please. Just pop in something just to distract me. Bring bring the bring the mood back. So it's, it's still a little dark out, so she's going through the CDs, and she picks one. It's not marked. Pops it in, and all of a sudden, out of the silence comes, This land is your land. This <coughs> land is my land. And I'm just, we just look at each other like, you couldn't time this shit. So we bust out laughing. The mood has been brought back. I'm, I'm cool. So we zip through Ohio without stopping again. And I wanted to find this rest stop. off of. It's the very first rest stop in Pennsylvania off I-80. The reason why, and I still have to load up the pictures, is because the first time I ever hit that, a long time ago when I was making the trip to Jer- Jersey for a hockey thing, I noticed in the window was this large stuffed bear. And there's a sign next to this bear that says, This bear was hit by a car, and it took the car out. Granted, the bear died, but the Porsche was totaled. I'm like, go, bear! So we get there. I see it. I take pictures. I, you know, do as nature intended, and I come back, and I go to Amanda. I said, do you have to, you know, go to the bathroom or anything? She's like, I'll try. I'm like, okay, I'll take over with the dogs. So I'm walking them, and, you know, damn, it's pulling and tugging, and, you know, Juju's kind of like doing her, hey, look, social media, I'll leave a like. And all of a sudden I realize her leash went slack. Now, she's in a harness. Little bitch got out of it. <laughs> now, I'm right next to I-80. <laughs> bitch wants to check out traffic. <laughs> so I'm having a heart attack right at this point. I'm going, Juju, 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 No, Juju, Juju, come, 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 come back, come back, come back, Juju. So next thing you know, I'm ringing my car keys like the nun going, shame, 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 <laughs> going, come here, Juju, come here, Juju, Juju, come here, Juju, come here. I'm sure someone's got it on YouTube. I really do. Because if you got somebody that's almost six foot, almost 300 pounds, waddling at a very fast pace with a dog being dragged behind them, going, come here, choo-choo! And she's dodging all over the place, going underneath rigs. I'm going underneath rigs. Finally, I throw the throw, throw the other dog into the car, and I'm just tailing after her. Finally, I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Ching, 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 ching. Juju, car ride. 
ching, 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 juju, car ride, car ride. She recognizes that and heads, follows me to the car. She won't let me pick her up, but she at least follows me to the car. And I open the door. She jumps in. I'm like, slamming the door. I'm now... <laughs> you know, first of the heart attack and two for running, because I wasn't prepared for that shit. And I finally get in the car and sit down, trying to get the heart attack to, you know, go away. All I, and all of a sudden, I see Amanda come out of the out of the rest stop, and she gets into the car, and she goes, everything okay? I'm like, do you notice anything different about Juju? And she looks at her, and she goes, where's her harness? And I just hold it up. She goes, oh, my God, she got loose. You got to make sure she has, you know, she's dragging it in front of you. I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> Usually, she doesn't get loose for me. So, go back on our merry way. Um, it was kind of smooth sailing from that point until we got to the hotel. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but Amanda will listen to it and she'll elbow me and you go, you forgot this part. <laughs> but we get to the hotel and I go, wait here, I'm going to go check in. Now, I had booked this hotel room back in August, prepaid it, all that. So I get in there and hand them the the booking confirmation form and all that, and she's kind of got a frown on her face, and she's looking at me going, this was from a month ago. I'm like, excuse me? I booked it a month ago. I didn't stay here a month ago. And she goes, well, you must have clicked the reservation for that day because this was for the August 28th to the 29th. And I have this, like, wave of, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Because not only are we there, but soon so shall be the Pope. And there's, like, a ton of people in Philadelphia at this point. So I just kind of looked at her and go, do you have any rooms left? And she's like, yeah, but they're not going to be as cheap as when you originally made the booking. How much? $119. I'll take it, because there was no way in hell I was going to drive to the Mutter Museum, have Amanda go in there, do her thing while I sat in the car, and then drive back. It wasn't going to fucking happen. So we get the room, drive over to the part of the hotel where the room is, throw the dogs, throw our shit in, and go to the, the I pronounce it Mutter because I was muttering throughout this whole trip, but it's Mutter. We finally are heading that way, and the place closes at 5, 10 after 4. Well, that's that's fine. We're only 11 miles away. It's not going to take that long, right? <laughs> Famous last words. Yep. I was borrowing my one of my pharmacists' GPS, which apparently has been updated since Sputnik, and every time we got close, it says your destination is on the left. Well, we look. There's nothing there. It's a 7-Eleven. We're like, um... Yeah, there's the little bitch now. Um, so we're looking. I'm like, there's not what is it behind the 7-Eleven? Where the fuck is it? So we loop around. I'm like, well, there's a parking uh, space up here. I'll just go in, back out, and come back. Didn't realize it was a one-way street. <laughs> yeah, I'm on three hours of sleep, and I'm missing all this crap. I'm like, I look at Amanda. I'm like, at the light, and I realize, and I'm like, this is a one-way street. We got to get the fuck out of here. She's like, but I, and I, around the corner, go head head back down, head down another one-way street, the right way this time. 
And I get back to the original starting point of which we entered into downtown Philadelphia. I'm like, can I turn left here? And she goes, I don't think. And I'm like, let them stop me. <laughs> Turned left, start heading back. And again, GPS says, your destination is on the left. It is not on the left. So I'm like, fine. God damn it. Let's just park. We'll walk. We'll find it. We'll ask the parking attendant where it is. So we finally get to a parking space. We park. And I go, okay, sir, where's the Mütter Museum? And he goes, right there <laughs> it was on the right we didn't think to look i'm like son of a bitch now it's 4 20 so we gotta walk just a block to the mutter museum we get in there and the girl has the tenacity to look at us and go we close at five you have to leave at five is that okay yeah sure 16 bucks a pop we'll, we'll get all we can get in out of this little trip here yeah sure so, they come with a couple souvenirs, just reach in the cases. And... <laughs> oh, wait, it gets better. <laughs> so we get in, and now if you take the time to actually read each card, it you would probably be in there for like maybe about a couple hours, because it's only two floors, uh, and the, f- the rooms aren't that big. But there's a lot of cards for every you know display, so it would take longer. Me, I'm like Chevy Chase when he goes to the Grand Canyon. Looks, nods, moves. So so I, I was feeling bad that Amanda had to be rushed through this because this is the main reason why we're, we're fucking there. Okay? So I let her do her own thing. I was just zipping through going, okay, okay, that looks like a skull. Okay, okay. Is this real? Is this This ain't fucking real. They had, like, models of shit in there. And I, I was kind of disappointed by that because I'm thinking this is supposed to be all medical abnormalities and shit in a jar why do you got a wax hand in a fucking jar i digress (laughs) but they did have a lovely casting of some sort of like intestinal distressing that was about the size of my leg so i'm like yeah this is cool so all of a sudden you hear it is 10 minutes to five please make your way towards the front of the museum stop by the gift store you have a nice day i'm thinking fuck you so we stop in the guest, uh, not the guest thing, the uh, gift store, and I bought a couple of things for her just, you know, because I thought, she, who else could have a skull on their key ring? But we leave, and I'm like, well, it's now almost close to five. We're a mile from it. Do you want to see the Liberty Bell? It, I go, at this point, it doesn't fucking matter to me. It just does not fucking matter. So I asked the parking attendant, I said, it's, you know, the Liberty Bell's just a mile away. You know, we can walk it from there, can't we? He goes, oh, no, it's really far away. I'm like, all right, where did I get the Rose Nyland of the parking attendants here? Anyway, because he had that accent. Um, so I'm like, fine, it's just a mile away. Enter in the GPS again, Liberty Bell Center, okay. We're just a mile away. How difficult could it be to find this fucking place? Apparently really difficult because within one mile, I heard recalculating 500 times because these streets be blacked off for the poop. He's not even there yet. They got the shit blocked off. So I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So I'm going down residential areas looking like the tourists from hell going, son of a bitch. Finally, I said, you know what? I don't care. We're about, according to this, a quarter mile from the goddamn thing. We're going to find a parking place. Just walk. Fine, fine. So I park and go, how far are we from the Liberty Bell? He goes, oh, two blocks. I'm like, cool, cool. 
real quick question. Is there a good place for, for a Philly cheesesteak around here? Not around here, no. I'm in downtown fucking Philadelphia. You're telling me there's no place for a goddamn fucking good Philly cheesesteak? Not even a decent one? Not even a quasi-decent one? Are you serious? So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, cool. I'm fine. Fine. I'm going to go see a piece of history. I'm going to go see the Liberty Bell. All is right with the world. Just press on. So we walk there. See more nuns than I, 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 I'm telling you, I was a little, little surprised by some of the, uh, some of the people there. I mean, you got, now I know the rule of thumb, chances are the beggars aren't really beggars. They're just people too lazy and whatever. And they're just going to spend it on booze, drugs, whatever. But to me, it was a little flabbergasting to watch all these nuns and priests pass by these beggars and not say a word to them. I'm just like, really? Boy, you are a real charitable bastard, aren't you? So. We go to uh, Liberty Bell Center, and there's a line out the door, and Amanda kind of looks at me. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm cool. We're good. I'm fine. So we're standing in line, and the lady goes, okay, if you don't have a purse, you go in this line. If you have a purse or a backpack, you have to go in this line and be searched. People without purses, please empty everything out of your pockets. Fine. I got receipts, a wallet, and ibuprofen. And I looked at the guy and go, is is this ibuprofen safe? He goes, well, not if you take too many of them. I'm like, by the end of this trip, I might take the, everything that's in my hand. So he's like, well, you enjoy that ibuprofen. You have a lovely day. Fine, thank you. So I dart immediately straight to where the Liberty Bell is. Lovely place of history. It kind of looked like a little like it was wax or something like that. So I, I, after the Muter Museum, I was even doubting if that thing was real. But I'm like, you know what? It's history. I'm a history buff. Fine. Let's go get take our picture. And the guy in front of me goes, do you mind taking my picture? You know, because he was by himself. I'm like, sure, not a problem. Little did me and this gentleman realize that in front of us was this one Asian couple. And again, to our listeners, if you're Asian, I do apologize where I'm about to go with this. But a stereotype is really going to lay heavily here. And I don't mean it to sound as bad as it's going to, but it will. There's this Asian family who decided to use every camera they had and take every possible position, pose, and angle with the Liberty Bell. Let's go take a picture from this side. Let's go take a picture from this side. Let's go take a picture from this side with the camera. Let's go take a picture from this side with another camera. Let's go take a picture from this side with the... I'm about ready to lose my ever-fucking-loving mind. And next to them is this other couple. It was this one gentleman. He's, you know, standing there. He's taking his iPhone, taking these pictures. Every single second, he's hitting the button. And, he, you know, he's got the front-facing camera, so he can see what the picture looks like. But he's, like, doing these, like, Westside-type poses and all that stuff. Finally gets his girl in on the picture, and they're doing the same thing. Finally, this one guy, getting more fed up than I am, goes, You want me to take your pictures? Yeah, that'd be great, dude. Grabs the camera. Done. Bye. Have a nice day. Meanwhile, the Asian couple still click it, click it, click it, click it, click it. So the guy goes, get, takes his picture. I take his picture real quick. I'm like, do you want one more? He's like, yeah, sure. Took one more. And then he goes, well, do you want me to take you and her, your, yours and hers? Amanda wasn't, uh, I don't think she was intending on being in the picture, but she did it anyway. So she dodges into the picture. And I'm standing behind. We got one good one, one stupid one where I put the, like, the donkey ears behind her. Because um, I was feeling like a jackass at that point. Um, 
So, and the Asian people had the nerve to look at me like I was intruding. We're not done taking pictures yet. Yo, yo, no motherfucker. Five cameras, 25 poses, you're done. You are done. So, we left. We're, we're talking about it, and, you know, I'm like, oh, was it, you know, real interesting to take a look at it. We saw, you know, Independence Hall. We didn't go in, because I'm like, mm-mm, done. So now the last part of my quest is going on. I want to go to Tony Luke's. I could have gone to Geno's, I suppose. I could have gone to another one, I suppose. But I couldn't find the motherfuckers. So I get back in the car, and I go to that trusty GPS again and type Tony Luke's. Why, it's just two miles from here. Perfect. I even make the fatal error saying, you know, I'm so hungry right now. I'm going to order one to eat immediately and one to eat a little later in the hotel room. I think my doctor was in control of the GPS because guess what? Couldn't find the motherfucker. Recalculating. Make a U-turn. Turn here. What, 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 what here? There's no street signs here. So we looped around 15 times trying to find this fucking Tony Luke's. Guess what? They moved. They closed it and moved. Son of a bitch. My only highlight at that point was, hey, look, big boat. <laughs> so we head back to the hotel. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm I'm not I'm not worried if we get a a, a Philly cheesesteak at this point. I just don't care. Let's just go back to the hotel. So we get back in there. There's a Denny's to the east of the hotel and a Philly's diner to the west. I looked at her and I said, Look, I don't want to have something I can have back at home, which is a Denny's. Let's just go to the diner. But first we gotta tend to the dogs. Damn it pissed on the hotel bathroom door. And I'm like, I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. Let's not worry about it. Let's feed them. And it didn't occur to me that I didn't bring enough food for them for the entire trip. Amanda thought I realized it. I did not. So now we have to think of what we're going to get them in the morning. So I figure, well, we'll just give them whatever leftover. Actually, Amanda figured out we're just going to give them leftovers from dinner. So let them out. Damn it, finally poos, which was, I was singing the Hallelujah Chorus because the little bastard wouldn't do that at all, no matter how many times we stopped. We take him back inside, and we go to go have dinner. Now, as we're sitting there, I finally got a Philly uh, cheesesteak, but it wasn't a cheesesteak. It was just shredded beef on a bun. And as we're sitting there, these uh, two Arabic gentlemen, I guess they got seated... Let's see, they were, they came in, they waited 14 minutes. They had placed their order, but they were now waiting 14 minutes. And they got up and go, we have been waiting long enough. We are going to go to Denny's. And I'm sitting there going, really, 14 minutes? Motherfucker, do you know what I've been through? And I'm being extraordinarily patient? So he's this guy's carrying on going, we're going to the Denny's. Four, we've been here a half hour, half hour, and we, we haven't gotten our food. We waited too long. We're going to go to Denny's and have a, my moon's over my hammy. I'm thinking, dude, that's a faux pas on your part, but who am I to judge? So we finish eating. We take some of the stuff we couldn't finish and put in a napkin for the dogs for the morning. And as I'm leaving to pay the bill, I you know, took out a 20. And I said, you know, I heard everything these boneheads were saying. She didn't deserve that. So take take this 20, give $10 to our server, and give $10 to the, the server that they were berating because she didn't deserve that. And the, the manager was just like, oh, my God, that's so nice. That's so nice. Da, 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 da. I'm like, ma'am, I'm just tired and stupid. So we head back to the hotel. And 
as we're getting ready to go to bed, we notice something. The pillowcases and the bed itself are all tinged yellow. You can see where this is going, don't you, folks? And I'm going to try to wrap this up. Apparently, because the Red Roof Inn is pet-friendly, some other dog might have given it its own personal rinse, you know, prior to our staying there. So, you know, I'm feeling, I'm like, it's not wet, so this has got to be old old urine stains, but you can still kind of smell it. And I'm not putting my head on old urine stains, sorry. So we took the towels and covered the pillows, and we slept on top of the covers instead of on the sheet. And our little fierce hounds from hell turn into guard dogs in strange places, as we find, because anyone who walked past the room, they're, shut up! I ain't having it, shut up! Anyone comes in here, they have to deal with me, they won't even have to worry about you, shut up! So, finally go to bed. 11 o'clock, I'm woken up by Juju panting heavily in my face. And why? Because she decided to snuzzle next to Amanda, who kicks out a lot of heat. So I have to pick up this poor, limp, overheated dog, place her on the floor, and get some water so she can cool down. Damn, it was just fine. He enjoys it, apparently. Go back to sleep. Wake up. My head is pounding. I have to wake up because otherwise I'm going to just, like, kill the world. Take some aspirin. You know, use the last of the coffee that I had from the Dunkin' Donuts in Philly. And I look at Amanda, who was waking up, because apparently I woke her up. Oops. And I said, do you just want to go home now? She's like, yeah, we can. So we're driving back. And from Philadelphia until Cleveland, damn it, was farting like there was no tomorrow. And I blame Rachel Ray. Because it was that dog food. He's never yeah. farted like that before until we gave her, until we gave Dammit that dog food. And it was the most, it, it tasted like, oh, not, and I say tasted because it was so bad you could taste the fart. Yeah. It was just so bad. You couldn't enjoy air conditioning. You had to keep unrolling the windows every five minutes. And it was because of this, I lost my keys at a rest stop. And... I just wanted to kill him. I was looking for rocks to stick up his rectum. Sorry to the people with animal rights and all that stuff. If you were dealing with five hours, of, you would look for something to plug the hole to. So we're now entering the end of Pennsylvania. And we're in line at the toll booth, and I realized something. On the back of the toll ticket is what you can expect to pay when you get to the end. Ours is $32.15. And I wasn't sure I had that in my pocket because because of this fiasco with the hotel and all this stuff, I, and I ended up spending more than I intended. So I'm looking at Amanda. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know if I have this in, in my wallet. Do you have any cash on you? She goes, no. I'm like, oh, fuck. So we're pulling up, and just as we're about ready to give the guy a ticket, this Arabic guy comes out of the easy pass lane and looks at me and goes, hold on, my friend. Hold on, my friend. I need to talk to him. Hold on, my friend. I'm like, dude, I will run you over. So he goes and asks the guy, I'm waving my easy pass. Is anything happening? He goes, yes, you wave it and go. He goes, okay, my friend, bye-bye. And as he walks away, the guy's like, fucking asshole. And then he looks and goes, can I help you? <clears throat> now, I'm instantly resorted to, oh, shit, he's in a bad mood now. So I hand him the ticket and goes, 32, 15. I'm like, oh, hold on, 20, 25, 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirty-two. Okay, I know I have quarters in here. Here, here's a quarter. You know. And he's like, okay, have a nice day. And as I'm pulling away, Amanda wakes up. What in God's name justifies thirty-two dollars and fifteen cents as a fucking toll? <laughs> I don't care. We had it. I'm not going to have a heart attack. Let's just go. Now, I promised Katie I was going to stop by and say hi to her on the way back. And a little backstory real quick. The first time I ever picked Katie up for a road trip, the infamous one where we're talking about the cat in the bag thing. Yeah. <laughs> I parked in the wrong. I thought her apartment was where I parked. Apparently I was wrong. And people in Cleveland are really funny about where you park. They will get they will lose their fucking minds if you park where you're not supposed to park. And the first time was this guy. He, you know, we're coming out of her apartment. He goes, you're not supposed to park here. You're not supposed to park here. This is private parking. This is private parking. You're not supposed to be here. How many times do we have to tell you people? And I, I just decided to alleviate the situation a little bit. And I'm like, it's because I'm from Michigan, isn't it? You people. And I'm like, you people, you people. And I'm about ready to go, easy, Mary, chill out. Because this guy was blaming. <laughs> but I digress. Moving fast forward. So I pull in, I pulling this one place next to her the place where she works because i thought she was working apparently she isn't she says she works um at seven o'clock she lives right across the street she'll be there in a minute so i park and i'm looking at the sign that says no trespassing well i think this is her apartment building i don't know it's right across the street so i just kept looking up at the windows and i'm like looking at my phone going well she'll be down any second any second now any second now and also i see out of the corner of my eye her coming from like half a block down I'm like, oh, shit, here we go again. So sure enough, she comes in, and I go, am I going to get in trouble again? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> so we're talking. All of a sudden, this black lady comes out of the building. Sounds like a car alarm. I, we thought she was yelling for a child or a dog. She's like, easy, lady. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Do you need help finding something? What's going on? Finally, she's pointing at my car and saying, get a tow, get a tow, get a tow. And that's when it hits Katie. Oh, shit, that's right. They tow, um, they have somebody who gets a cut from the action from the tow truck divers. And she will get anybody towed out of there if they don't belong there. I'm like, well, how does she know I don't belong there? I could have, I thought I was waiting for you. I thought you lived in there. She goes, oh, I had considered it at one point, but the lady was an asshole. (laughs) Thanks for the tip. So I have to back up now. Back into the spot in front of the side quest where she works, and we walked, uh, actually, we drove down to the right aid because she had to pick up a few things, and I didn't know I did an illegal turn in front of a cop. Fortunately for me, apparently he must have saw the look on my face and said, yeah, this person suffered enough, let him go. And we go go back to her place, and we, we sat and talked for a bit, and then all of a sudden Amanda goes, he's making that shaking no, uh, sh- movement, which means he's going to take a shit any second now. So we have to hurry up, get them downstairs, finally get down there. He's sniffing around, sniffing around. Finally, he dro- drops a deuce that I can smell from half the distance. And he starts kicking the dirt all over Amanda. It was a beautiful thing. Not that he kicked dirt on her, but, you know, it was just finally, maybe he won't fart anymore. <laughs> and that, my friends, is my... It wasn't funny. It was funny at the time once I was able to laugh at it, but... The more I look back on it, I just go, I'm just thinking about it going. Yeah, we're gonna go to Philly again, but we're flying. We're time not taking the dogs, and we're time, taking a cab. Time plus tragedy equals comedy. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and this is where I was, you know, yeah, I'm, I got 70, 72 messages from you guys, by the way. I'm like, there's no <laughs> fucking way I'm backtracking this shit. No fucking way. So when I, I have said Cliff Notes version, what's the show? And you guys said Stephen King. I'm like, well, he just scripted my whole fucking car ride, so that's perfect. <laughs> now, if he'd scripted End of it, story. Someone, if he'd scripted it, you would have been hit by your own car. If he would have been scripted, it, if he would have scripted it, I would have been hit by my own car and eaten by my dogs. <laughs> uh. Like I said, next time it's a plane. We're taking cabs. I'm double checking the reservation before I leave. Uh, on that note, are you are you back with us, Joe? I am. Okay. I've dropped actually. I've dropped that like three times and come back. <laughs> he comes back and she's like still connection. fucking talking. <laughs> That's what I. I, I got the gist of it. Rachel Ray totally fucked your vacation. Pretty much. <laughs> Fucking cunt. Uh, there's gotta be an extra virgin olive oil joke in there somewhere. Well, you would think as sloppy as the food was, you know, he wouldn't have been holding the shit in, but apparently he's a shy pooper. Uh, well, folks, uh, name like- of the episode: Stephen King. Shy <laughs> And you know it'll get back to him and goes, I am not. <laughs> no, it'd be, how'd you know? <laughs> Those damn fans again, son of a bitch. Well, we've all, we've all, or well, I saw Dreamcatcher, I didn't read Dreamcatcher. Oh, that guy, that made many jokes amongst my friends for the longest time of, you know, I'm not sitting on that toilet. Some alien's going to come up and rip out my rectum. <laughs> I will say the book is vastly better than the movie. Oh, the movie was oh, shit. Oh, leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds <laughs> better. Way better. I actually, I really enjoyed the book. Not so much the movie. Yeah. So speaking of folks, that's a great jumping off point. Uh, this week's topic for our horror podcast show, after we've gone through our horror travel log of Don's adventures. Um, now Never we are, again. <laughs> uh, this past week, uh, the 21st was, uh, Mr. Stephen King's birthday. So, uh, we got the idea of, uh, each of us coming up with our top five favorite, uh, personal favorites of, of Stephen King's novels, short stories, and films. a meteor. I'd be dipped in shit if that ain't a meteor. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Ah, Mr. Toomey at last. So glad you could make it, Craig. So, give us your report, Craig. Tell us how much money you made for us. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. Hey, buddy. Buddy, 
I ain't taking the rap on this. I lock this place up every night. It's not my fault if every pervert, weirdo... Well, don't talk to 40... me. Go talk to someone in charge. I'm busy. Buddy. Yeah? Listen. It's not my fault if every horny kid and weirdo pervert comes in here. I lock this place up. I don't need this action. Okay, don't talk to me. Talk to the sheriff. Sure, I checked six or seven times. Sheriff, sure. hey. No, no. Oh, you done it now, Jordy Farrell. You monkhead. And we have not compared notes, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, one, what everyone picked, and two, whether or not we can do this in one episode. <laughs> Especially after my rambling ass. <laughs> so, um... Which one do we want to start off with first? I will start off on... Okay, we'll start with the low note because um, I'm ready to take on any derision that will be heaped upon me for this. Um, you coming out of the closet, Chris. Let the oh. parade begin! Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling fabulous. Uh, You've only read three. How is that even possible? <laughs> yes, folks, for the novel part... Um, I've just never been a Stephen King reader. Like I've said before, I was more of a fantasy reader than a horror reader. The, and my very first experience of trying to read a Stephen King book other than, uh, one of the ones on my list was trying to read the talisman. And I got like 20 pages in and I'm like, I, no, I cannot do this. And yeah, so probably not a, good, not a good starting yeah. point. <laughs> it, was, it was popular at that time. So, but that kind of turned me off to it. But yes, I'm come back around. I've still got, I've bought books at the used bookstore that I still need to read. Uh, so yes, I, I am trying to make amends. I'm a late comer to this. He's a late bloomer. But um, I'll go ahead and just throw out, throw out my three because they're the only three I've ever read. <laughs> um, Rock the mic, Chris. Yeah. The first, first one I read um, was uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Awesome book. Respect. That one actually drew my attention because I've always been a Bernie Wrightson fan, and to see his artwork on the book, uh, that it hooked me in right away. So, um, the other two, um, Christine, I read years ago too. Good after, one. After watching the movie, then I figured read the book because my mom had it, and uh, then uh, a recent reading for novels was Carrie. Classic. So, those are my three. <laughs> Who's chiming in ladies with and, now? Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to send him audiobooks, critiques, all that other fun stuff uh, in care of Chris Duck at. I can't, I mean, I can't speak up enough about audiobooks. I'm obsessed with audiobooks. I probably have at least 50 of them because I do Audible, so I get one every month, which is like my little Christmas. Um, and there have been so many books that I've started reading and just haven't gotten around to finishing that I've gotten on audiobook and gotten to listen to all the way through. And it's very satisfying having someone read to me. And the, one- the audiobook of it is fucking fantastic. That's the one with Stephen Weber, Weber, isn't it? Oh, so good. Seriously. So uh, uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. I will go ahead and and do this to myself because I'm actually surprised that Joe has not done it yet. What's that? Uh, if I can get it to play. 
I was just thinking it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> and for all you listeners, in case you're wondering, Chris is naked right now. From the waist up. <laughs> I'm naked from the waist down. My nipples are quite perky right now. I'm excited by this show. <laughs> He's feeling like a little girl. Kitty's a school girl. <laughs> So, okay, who wants to re- go for their five now? Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Go, Jenny, go, Jenny. Um, so my vi- You, the my... girl in New Hampshire with your hand up. Oh, oh. Um, Mr. Carter. Oh. <laughs> that was my next go. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. What? <laughs> oh. Where? Boo. Boo. <laughs> I don't have um, to have my list Hyundai right now. <laughs> Uh-oh. So I actually, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I really struggled with narrowing it down to five. That was fucking rough. Um, it was way easier for Chris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I have three. <laughs> I have three. I'm a very picky reader. I'm very concise. The movie um, was harder. Movies was definitely harder for me. Oh, seriously. I, the whole, if you looked at my list, it's just scribbles and like, and then stuff in parentheses and like, just, ugh, it's a mess. So my very favorite actually isn't a work of fiction. It's his book on writing. I love that book so very much. And I couldn't not include it on my list, even though it isn't horror. You know what I mean? So... It's so good. It's just awesome. And as a writer, every once in a while, I get kind of down in the dumps where just I have writer's block and everything sucks and you feel like everything you're writing is horseshit. And I'll listen to that and it gets me back in the spirit and kind of gets me all pumped. So um, can't recommend that one highly enough if people haven't read it. Um, Also, It. I love It. It creeps me out so bad and it's awesome audiobook or regular plain old book it's all good um i love 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 the green mile i bought it when it first came out as they released it in a serial and so you got like a little snippet of it and kind of had to wait for the next one um and i just think it's one of it's one of the best stories he's ever told um pet cemetery i know it's not the height of literature and blah 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 but that was actually one of his first books that I ever read and I just think it's such a sad creepy awesome story and it's in Maine so it really just like it feels familiar the accents are familiar like when they write out the accents and stuff and um and the last on my list is actually a newer one and it's um 112263 which I fucking love it's so good still need to read that oh it's so good it's so worth it he just he did a really really awesome job and the amount of research that he put into it it is just mind-boggling it's so fucking good but those are my five admirable list joe or strong list who's going next 
I'll go next. Okay. I was gonna say I'm. Ca- you guys kind of had an advantage over me. I didn't really <laughs> do any kind of fucking research at all, so I'm just going by memory. So go ahead, Joe. <laughs> and, and I'll go uh, start with my number five and work my way down to my top one. Uh, and, and I did struggle on this one. And I had Cycle of the Werewolf on and off and on and off because I do love that one. But I finally settled. My number five is on Pet Cemetery. Same thing as what Jen's talking about. One of my earlier King reads as a kid, so I was drawn to it. And it has such a great downer ending. I was sold early on on that one. So that's my number five. My number four actually is not a horror book. It's his fantasy novel, The Eyes of the Dragon. Love still, that book. Right? I, and I'm still shocked no one's ever tried to make a movie out of it. Because, I mean, with, like, sword and sorcery stuff, with Game of Thrones being super popular, you would think now would be, like, the time that they would do it. But I've not heard anything about any sort of adaptation. But they need to do it because it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> so number three, another shared love with Jen, It. Read that one as a youngster as well, and I was sold, and very early on you get to a character who commits suicide because they get news of having to go back and take care of something that they started as kids, and that hooked me right away. I'm like, what the hell is so horrible? This person just took an out instead of trying to deal with it. Plink. Yeah. Oh, God, so good. Number two for me is uh, super personal because it's the very first Stephen King book I ever read. I've talked about this before. My grandfather rented it at the library for me, and that's Skeleton Crew. Still my favorite little collection of short stories of his. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the short story part, there's several from that that will show up. And number one is The Stand. One that I struggled to read as a youngster and started three times before I actually made it through it. And then once I did, I'm like, why the hell didn't I just read it the first time? The Stand is definitely in my top ten. And I really, between The Stand and Eyes of the Dragon, I, they kept going into the list. And then it'd be like, oh, but what about mm-hmm. this? And uh. Yeah, I finally just had to stop rearranging because I was the same way. I had everything written down that I liked and then there would be like an arrow going up and an arrow going down. And this, like if we did this tomorrow, <laughs> all these lists might change. Oh, yeah. At least the bottom three, my top twos and all of these are fairly static, but yeah, I, I did the same thing. I couldn't really settle for a long time. And finally I just went with it. How about you Don? Well, I'm, I'm going to see a lot of shared love on this list. I mean, he has tons and tons of books, and my love for it stemmed from my mom, because my mom, while not a big, you know, Stephen King reader, she, uh, for my birthday, got me in the Stephen King library collection, and I would get a new Stephen King book every month, so that was my Christmas. So I think the very first one I ever got was, ironically, the first book I ever read, which was much like Joe, which was Skeleton Crew. Nice. And I picked it in my high school library, picked it up, read it, read it again. I'm like, this is awesome. And like, again, like Joe, when we get to the short stories part, you know, I can guarantee I'm going to be like, okay, this one was a, a, a good one. This one in, eh, not so much. Um, but I'm going to put 
Skeleton Crew and Night Shift as a tie for five. Because both of them had equal amounts of stories that were really, really good. Some that were, you know, but for the most part, kept you just wanting to keep re- reading and rereading them. Um, this one wasn't mentioned, and it's not exactly a popular one, but I kind of dug it for several reasons because it just took weird turns. But Gerald's Game. Oh, yeah. It was basically this the whole thing about Gerald's Game is uh, it's about this wife. She's married to this kind of like overweight lawyer. You almost think it sounds like thinner, but it's not. Um, and he's into some kinky sex play. Well, he handcuffs her to the bed, and she realizes she no longer wants to do this. And he thinks she's playing. So he's kind of torturing her a little bit, and she finally makes it known she's had enough, and like basically mule kicks him in the chest. Well, it gives him a heart attack, and he fucking dies. And now she's handcuffed to the bed. And it just you know goes from there. It's just one of those weird type of stories that, I, and I'm not going to give it away, because it took such a weird fucking hard left of where it goes from there, that it it just, you're, you're sitting there reading it going, what the fuck? Mr. King, were you doing peyote again? <laughs> um, number three, I'm going with, uh, with The Stand, and I love that book. It Granted, it is the longest fucking book I think he has <laughs> next to maybe Insomnia. I think... Which, uh, uh, under the Dome, I think, is like twice or Under the twice Dome as long. is huge. Well, I, I know we're not going to touch this on the list, but there are some Stephen King books, honestly, I just couldn't finish. Not because it disturbed me, but because he lost me. Yeah. And that was one of them, Under the Dome. Send your hate mail to Bully and Gull on Twitter. Um, <laughs> anyway. I actually, um, have, I actually have really quick, just a, a funny story about Under the Dome. I didn't buy the book because I got the audiobook like right when it came out. And it turns out that I really can't stand Raul Esparza's voice at all. Like I loved him in Hannibal for who he was, but when he does voices it's not I I it just doesn't appeal to me. I, I he was very talented, blah, blah blah. Just didn't do it for me. But also it was a five part audiobook, like when you downloaded it and for some reason, part four, when I try to download it, it would download like part three again. So I was missing part, section four out of five of this book. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go and spend 30 bucks to buy it. I already bought it and they couldn't figure it out at Audible. It was so I just ended up I didn't end up listening to five either because I was like, I'm not going to understand what the hell's going on. It just did you a favor. Yeah, that's the end of that. The end of that book is god awful. It started so good, and yeah. So clearly, it was miss. It was the gods trying to tell me something. Okay, so the stand was number three, and that one holds a place in my heart because, as I've uh, often confessed, somewhat embarrassingly. Amanda sometimes reads me to sleep because I have to focus on something in order to sleep because I think way too fucking much. And she asked me one time, what do you want me to read to you? And I handed her the stand. She looks at me and she goes, you're kidding. Nope. Took her three quarters of the year to finish. Because she would only read a couple of pages at a time. 
And she looked at me, and now it's the running joke. And she goes, what do you want me to read you? And I'll start reaching for the stand. She goes, don't you fucking touch that book. All right. Um, Number two would be Cycle of the Werewolf. Only because that was another one I saw at the library. And I I kid you not, I'm like, is Stephen King trying to do a children's book? (laughs) I opened up. Nope, nope, nope. He's not doing that at all, I see. And then the last one, favorite all-time book. And, you know, like Jenny, there were just so many books that could have easily been a top five, like Insomnia, um, oh, my God, different seasons, but that would, I kind of, I guess, fall under novelas. But um, number one is definitely Eyes of the Dragon. And I agree with you, Joe. I talked to Amanda about that last night. I said, you know, with the popularity of the Thrones, they could easily do this story because you don't really need a dragon except for but maybe once mm. and then that's it and, and i it, it would be a great miniseries that's what i was just gonna say like even if it was like a limited run miniseries as opposed to like a series series it'd still be awesome it'd be really cool to see this story that i've loved since i was a kid brought to life i think that'd be really pretty awesome uh, right i since it hasn't come up on anybody's list, and I just know it's popular with other people, it's for some fantasy writing. Where do you guys weigh in on Dark Tower series? I think I've only, and it was in audiobook form, I've only heard one story that was not exactly part of it, but it was kind of like indirectly part of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the short little story that it was formed from, but I, I never really touched the Dark Tower series. I'm, I'm kind of upset some people. Those. Right. I've kind of been saving those. Eventually, I'm going to plow all the way through them, but I just, they, I started reading The Gunslinger like three different times and just, eh, so I'm going to just kind of take them all out eventually. I'm not a fan, and, and I know like our buddy Rick Cross, if he was ever listening, would just be like, oh, no, no. I try. I Wait a minute, Rick Cross doesn't listen. You self-righteous punk. I'm just kidding. Hey, he's he's busy writing, so he's got enough insomnia uh, time. He should be listening to our show. <laughs> but yeah, we I would, read the Gunslinger. We would, yeah, yeah. Is. <laughs> now, I read the Gunslinger a long time ago, and that's where I stopped. And it was okay. I revisited it, and I got through the first three Dark Tower books. And I just didn't care to go forward, so I just went to Wikipedia and read how it ended, and was like, "Okay, I'm good." I, I don't. They just didn't grab me. I don't know why. Okay. Well, so that kind of covers books. Uh, oh, man. We got <laughs> we got less than an hour left for show if we keep this into one show, <laughs> and we still have the short stories and the movies. I think we can do it. I have confidence. Press on, challenge. Press on. So uh, let's jump in the short stories. Uh, Jenny, you can go first this time. Okay. Um, I've actually mentioned this one before, but Quitter's Inc. is so fucking good. Yes. From Night Shift, and it's uh, – and having recently stopped smoking, it holds an especially close place in my heart. Um, Do I have to hide in your closet and make sure you don't smoke, Jenny? <laughs> no. I'm. I, everyone in my family is keeping their pinkies. There's no, uh, there's no chance of that <laughs> happening. Um, my second one is the body. I mm. just, he captures 
childhood so fucking well and like childhood relationships and like it it's such a like just such a strange story in a way but it just every time if if stand by me is on i know we're kind of that goes in the movie thing i can't help but watch it and if i like put on the audiobook and the body comes on i'm not going to sleep while it's on i want to listen to it it's it's interesting um and from skeleton crew and this one is definitely more of like a sentimental thing but um the monkey i oh, fucking God, love yes. the monkey it, it just it, it's so like classic horror to me it kind of just sums up everything i love about the genre just the weirdness of it and the fact that he throws it into crystal lake doesn't hurt either that and that was I and, think that before there was even a really well-known Crystal Lake, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it just it just makes me so happy every time. It's like, ah, that's where he belongs. Um, and the last one again is one of the newer ones. Um, I really, if anyone anyone who likes short stories and novellas, I can't recommend Full Dark No Stars enough. It's so fucking good. He is way at the top of his game in that book. It's it's awesome. Um, and the story is a good marriage, which he actually loosely kind of he was inspired by the BTK thing where all the people were kind of speaking out about how could his wife not know? And he kind of went, how could his wife not know? And then kind of started thinking about it and ended up writing a good marriage. But it, it's really fucking good. Yeah, I'll concur with that for sure. So, uh, Joe, what's your picks? I, I struggle with this one hard. Uh, my top two were, were set. The rest of them I kind of went back and forth on. But I, for my number five, I started with a newer one that he actually co-wrote with his son, Joe Hill. And that's In the Tall Grass. Ooh. Typical King sort of story. Brother and sister, twins on a road trip on, like, the back roads. They pull over and they hear a child screaming for help from the tall grass, hence the name of the short story. Mm -hmm. And once they get into it, weird shit starts going down. And again, of course, my love of downer endings, spoiler alert, it doesn't end happy for people. Let's just say, but it was (laughs) such a like classic tell. And it was only, I think they did that two or three years ago. Wasn't very long ago, but that, that one has taken a a special place for me uh, because God knows we've gone on and on about my love of Joe Hill. So that's my five. Number four, survivor type. I love survivor. That, that I swear that is the first time I've ever read a short story and had like a visceral reaction to it. The one I had to put the book down because it was skeeving me out just too much. And just a quick synopsis of that guy crash lands on a deserted island, breaks his ankle, and basically has to find a way to eat and fix himself, basically. And there's a part where they're talking about the itching and him digging his fingers into his stump, and that's where it got me. I had to stop, but that one, fantastic. I can't recommend that one highly enough. Uh, number three on my list, we went over the adaption of this for Creepshow 2 when we talked about anthologies, and that's The Raft. As much as I love that on Creepshow 2, I love it as much in print. That one almost made it onto my list. Almost. Yeah. Easily top ten. Just For sure, for sure. It's so good. I mean, it, oh, 
can't rave about that one enough. Number two is probably going to shock some people. I don't know many that talk about it, and that's Jerusalem's Lot. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Okay, and there's a couple reasons that I love it is it's told through, like, letters and general entries and things like that. It has such, like, a throwback Poe or H.P. Lovecraft It's a total Lovecraftian feel. feel. Love that. And that one grabbed me as a young kid. And even talking about – so basically a guy has, like, an ancestral home that he kind of goes back to, and he keeps writing about, like, weird things happening. Like, oh, there must be rats in the walls. I hear things. It's vampires. I was enthralled with that so much as a kid, but that one is so great as well. And my number one will shock no one that knows me at all, and that's The Mist. Oh, The Mist. First Stephen King thing I ever read, got through it in no time, started it over, read it again, love everything about it. It's it's so great. Um yeah, I just I, I get all like Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo when I talk about it, but yeah, that's my five. How about you, Don? Well, I'm finding minus one little movie that shall remain nameless. Me and Joe actually have a lot in common. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we cannot all wait till we do our 25 scariest moments. That, that <laughs> those episodes are going to be so much fun. Oh yeah, you won't find that movie on my list anyway. Um, I, I'm not going to do this in a five to one or a one to five manner because I love Stephen King's short stories more so than I love his novels. And to pick just five is practically fucking impossible. <laughs> yeah, that it, definitely it's, is. A, it's the one of my list that has the most scribbles and parentheses, and that was a tough one. Um, but the ones that always spoke out to me were similar to Joe's survivor type. I remember reading that one and just thinking to myself, okay, you got this guy. He, First of all, he has to eat a rotten fish. There was food that was just scarce. He was able to kill uh, a seagull, but he had nothing to cook it with, so he ate it raw. And then trying not, and how he went into detail about trying not to regurgitate it because, you know, it's the only sustenance he had. I'm like, you know, sitting there going, hum, hum, hum. but the one line that always stood out for me in the short story was the end lady fingers. They taste just like lady fingers. And you're sitting there thinking, what does his dick? <laughs> you know, he, he never really went into detail about what tasted like lady fingers. And at the end of the day, he just didn't really want to know. Um,. Most of my selections are going to be from Skeleton Crew, so that, that'll tell you everything. But um, Kane Rose Up, I, I love that one for the simple fact that it's like you you don't know why the kid snaps. Sometimes people just fucking snap. There's an underlying reason, but you some people just frickin' had it with life and society, and they just lose their ever-loving fucking minds, and that's what this story was. He came back to his dorm room. It was the end of the semester. Um, his roommate had already left for the uh, semester and he's going underneath his bed to pull out this gun and he's looking around the room at the Bogart poster that's hanging on the wall and the thinker that's on the desk and he's thinking about all these different things as he's setting up his gun to start pegging people off in the uh, quad of the of the campus. And you, yeah, like I said, you're just sitting there thinking, well, what the hell is this guy's major malfunction? And you just don't know. 
He just snapped. That's the kind of thing I like. Not necessarily a downer ending, but sometimes you don't need that fucking explanation. And oh, that's what I've always. That's why I always get into arguments with some people. Is do you really need to know why they snapped? Sometimes people just fucking snap. Mm-hmm. That one's on there. Um, Night shift. I have Jerusalem's Lot because no matter how many, I have that on audiobook, and I love listening to the audiobook of that. And it's in the same uh, category is kind of its sequel, but it's set, you know, way ahead. And that's one for the road because it involves about a guy who owns a bar and he's sitting there with his friend. And this guy comes busting in, raving like tech freezing and all that stuff, saying that he got lost during this blizzard and he left his wife and child in the car to try to find help. And they've realized the guy drove into Jerusalem's lot and they have to make that decision. Do they help this guy and see if the kid, you know, the kid and the, the wife are okay or, you know, should they just say fuck it? And they decide to drive out there. And when they get there, no one's in the car. The car's running, but no one's in the car. So you already know they're fucking dead. Um, so those two, I, I put on the same, I would say on the same uh, level. Strawberry Spring, another good one, involves uh, the first-person narrative, you know, talking about how, you know, you got your Indian summer, what Strawberry Spring's rare, and during the time frame that this particular Strawberry Spring was going on, there was a serial killer running loose around this uh, campus, and by the end of the, the short story, you realize that the person telling the story and relaying the story might just be that guy. You don't know, but he just might be. And I think that leaves me with two more. I know what you need is a pretty good one because being the person that was never exactly sought out, you know, asked out for dates, you kind of wish in the back of your mind, you're like, if only I could read a person's mind and know exactly what they like. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't take it to a voodoo level. Maybe that's where I went wrong. (laughs) And then the last one for me, as far as all the other ones, this one was kind of like, uh, I don't want to say it was kind of personal, but I always kind of dug how he did it. And that was uh, the wedding gig. And that was essentially, uh, and I didn't know if I should include the library policeman as a short story because it was more of a novella. But um, the wedding gig basically focuses around like Prohibition era and this, you know, jazz band that, basically played, you know, various different clubs, and this uh, second-rate gangster hires him to perform at his sister's wedding, and the sister just happens to be really, really, really fat. And just the way it's described about how uh, this wannabe gangster's rival comes in, you know, sends in uh, this petrified, you know, out-of-his-mind, you know, messenger saying, I don't want to be here, he's got my family, he says he's going to kill him if I don't do this, and, da, 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 da. and how he has to go in there and insult the sister to get to the brother, which lures the brother out to go charging after the, the rival, and he ends up getting you know shot to death. But it t- takes the turn where the sister, who is basically the focus of all of it, she takes over her brother's empire and turns it into actually something that rivaled Al Capone. And the whole t- 
ending of it about her being buried in like a meat locker at the end of it because she got so big. You know, it, I, I just thought it was a pretty good story that, you know, you got this poor woman whose only crime is being fat. And it ends up getting her brother killed and she ends up turning it into, well, I'm going to get even with you fuckers. In a way. But I, I just kind of dug it. Yeah. Um, once again, my selection is short. Cause the only I was about to say it. that. I read Night Shift. I read Night Shift, so essentially it's my top five from Night Shift. <laughs> oh, sweet. Um, first one for me is uh, actually Battleground. I just It was a fun story to read, just the whole premise of miniature plastic soldiers fighting the guy out in the, the hotel room <laughs> that it, it was a good visual the way it's portrayed that you know i could just, i did, could picture the whole battle as it's as it plays out in the pages um after that is uh the boogeyman that the good twist choice. that gave me was creepy um boogeyman daddy boogeyman boogeyman yeah. and then uh children of the corn Never read that before you're driving through a cornfield in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I don't know. It's a it's a toss between which I would give the the top spot to, but definitely the top top two for me uh, were uh, Quitters Incorporated and uh, Jerusalem's Lot because just that hooked me instantly into the book. I mean, it's the first first story in the book, and like I said in the previous podcast, where it was sitting on my my bedside table for books I'm randomly reading through. Before I started reading that, I had been reading a collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories. And as soon as I started reading it, I'm like, am I still reading Lovecraft? Because <laughs> it had that feel to it. So, I, yeah, I got hooked into that. See, that cracks me up because seriously no one I've ever spoken to about Stephen King bring that short story up. Huh. You were hey, you I, were talking to the wrong people, Joe. Apparently so because, god damn, I love that one so much. <laughs> Well, and that's why I felt uh, to go back to one more for the road. That was that was a close one to put. Up. I could have probably traded that out with, with Battleground for being in the top five because it is a nice wraparound to the story. I mean, it almost but it essentially does book in the whole collection of stories because you start off with Jerusalem lot, Jerusalem's lot, and then the last story in the book is one more for the road. Actually, road. I think it was Woman in the Room, but oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. It's the second to the last. Second to the last. So now we're the one finally I struggled hmm? <laughs> before we get off of that one. The one I struggled that I wanted to put on so bad and I dropped it off for in the tall grass is uh, graveyard shift. Oh yeah. Out of night shift. And yes. I try to still try to catch that movie and I need to just buy it right now. Buy it. But what <laughs> caught me about that? Short Can story I tell is, you not to waste your time on the movie? I, was, I watched it years ago. It does not hold up at all. I, I I remember the story is a, is way better than than the movie because they took okay. so many liberties with it. Not as bad as yeah. they did with Lawnmower Man, but Mangler, yes. Mangler. <laughs> yeah, the the in the graveyard shift, the, the written short story like caught me because the guy's just he knows he's dying and he's getting eaten alive by mutant rats and just cackling. That all that vision stuck in my head for so long. Yeah, I had the same problem with, like I said, Library Policeman, because that's a good short story, but it's not exactly a short story. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly a novel either. It's like it's a novel, and I didn't know if that would be an inclusion in one or the other, so I just kind of left it off. But it is an awesome read. I'm not even going to go into detail. Yeah. You need to look it up yourselves, people. <laughs> well, one that almost made it onto my list that no one else has mentioned, and I feel like I'd be remiss in not mentioning it, is um, Secret Window, Secret Garden. Mm-hmm. And now oh, I got giant up so eating corn in my head. I love that story so much. It's so good, but it just didn't quite make it. I think I think uh, a good marriage edged it out just a little bit. Well, on that, that gives us about a half hour left here for our show to get through uh, Stephen King movies. We can oh, do God. this. We got yeah. this. So. Um, See, you haven't gone first yet, Don. You want to take this one? I can try. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only problem is, is some of his movies weren't exactly all that great adapted into movies. Um, the one that I will save as number one, I have an honest, definite number one, but mm-hmm. um, the other four are just going to be hodgepodge. But I always loved the, uh, even though it was made for TV, I always loved it. Yeah. The way they had put that together with that ensemble piece, and it was like basically the first half is just focusing on the kids, the kids' story. The second half of the story focuses on them as adults. And I, I just really loved it. I it, Am I the only one that wished they had more Tim Curry? Maybe mm-hmm. not. Um, another one, I'm going to leave out Pet Cemetery only because I had a cat that looked exactly like Church, and I remember biting somebody's shoulder because the kid chewing out Judd's throat just to kind of just sickened me. So I'm going to leave that one off the table. But um, in its place, I'm going to put uh, Silver Bullet, which was the movie adaptation of Cycle the Werewolf. That was a good one. Um, I, I was trying to find that to rewatch it because I remember the the one and only time I did try to watch it, I did not dig it. So I wanted it's to see if one I think you had. Yeah, I think you had to watch it when it came out in the eighties to really appreciate it because I don't think it ages all that well. But I'm with Don. I love that one. But that, yeah, that is I when have, I watched I it. Some... I watched it when it came out on video back then. So. Oh really? Yeah. So. Pretend I don't the know. wolf is Corey Feldman instead of you know. And just take a look at it as Corey Haim getting revenge. I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Next one would probably be The Shining, and I'm referring to the, even though I guess there was a little bit of friction between King and Kubrick over the the making of it, Mm -hmm. but Kubrick's version was better than the one, unfortunately, that Steven Weber had a hand in. I only say that because I can't get that fucking kid out of my fucking head with his lips, uh, who who, who freaking had more lip work done, apparently, than any Kardashian ever could. (laughs) Like, Gaddy, but Gaddy, get the fuck out of here. But, yeah, the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining, way creepier. Um, See, my only, my only problem with the Kubrick one is I really can't stand fucking Shelley Duvall at all. And I kind of am just like, kill her. <laughs> <laughs> but it has one of the best lines in there, darling. Light of my life. You didn't <laughs> let me finish the sentence. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to hit you over the head with this fucking bat and bash your fucking brains out. She literally is my only problem with that movie because she just bugs me every time she comes on screen. And she was she so was nice in Roxanne. Hush. Up. She was so. You no, need, I, I, I don't. Need more Scatman Crothers. 
just so like her. They, they shouldn't have killed him off, though, in the movie, because, well, he survives in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, another one as far as Stephen King adaptation movies. Oh, God, and some of these are getting difficult to even think about. I would say Misery. Because of the whole, I mean, it it kind of stayed true to how the story was, but once you get to that sledgehammer to the foot oh. scene, check please. <laughs> every and day still to this day, every time I rewatch it, in my head I keep thinking they're they're going to cut away from this, knowing they're not going to cut away from it. And every single time it gives me the willies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every time it comes up, I look away because I remember when we went to go see it, I had just recovered from being off my feet for three months because I strained every ligament in my right foot. And sure enough, that's the foot she attacked. So every time it comes on, I just look away. So I, can say, um, I can say for me that, that it, I'll just to interject, it is in my top five as well because I have I have a special memory for that movie. I mean, besides it being this awesome film, and Rob Reiner is excellent as a director for for it. Kathy Bates is over the top. James Caan was was great. Um, seeing the poor old sheriff get shot at the top of the steps out of nowhere shocked the fuck out of me. <laughs> but with the whole hobbling scene, I knew it, it's the whole thing of just that build up of that scene. You know what's coming, and that same reaction, like, oh no, 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 she's not gonna no. But when I saw yep. it, I was in a a small like 150, 200 seat theater, and there's only three other people in the whole theater when we're watching this afternoon showing. And even with just the four of us in there, the collective tension as we're scattered about the the room, you could palpably feel the tension building in the room to that point where when she swung that hammer that all of us just go, Oh, and then when she goes to the other ankle, we're all like, no, don't do it. But the thing about that scene is in the original story, she uses an ax and he, the way he described it, you could actually hear the ax scraping against the bonus. She's pulling it out. Mm. And you're thinking to yourself, how are they going to top that? And God damn, if they didn't, (laughs) <laughs> with that fucking sledgehammer. But the 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 one of all time, and this is going to be strange considering he has, there's so many great movie adaptations, Creepshow, Creepshow 2, and, and the like. As far as movies where, you know, it was his first directorial effort, he took his own short story and made it better, is Maximum Overdrive. How can you go wrong with a, a movie where you got ACDC as the soundtrack, number one. Number two, um, you got the one part that I have to look away for this one, too, is where the knife comes alive and starts tearing into that girl's forearm. And just, Curtis, Curtis, I'm scared. I mean, and I heard that someone tried making a movie based off of trucks the way he wrote it originally, and it blew Major Dog. Yeah, I tried to watch that. Is that the one you watched, Chris? Yeah, I tried to. It was was actually a Canadian TV movie with Timothy Busfield. But yeah... It it was bad. He... I I just remember before I even saw the movie, he... There was a preview for it before uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the drive-in, and he's standing in front of the truck, which is... The front of the truck is the Green Goblin. And he said, you know, I've often said, 
if you're going to do something right, you got to do it yourself. And then he looks at you when the lights, uh, the eyes of the uh, Green Goblin light up, and he goes, I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And God damn it if he didn't when I saw that at the theater. I actually watched that trailer last night when I was gathering my clips for mashups because uh, for I'm, I, I'm still deciding where it's going to end up in the episode, so you may have heard my mashup now or you might hear it. Now, I'm, I'm still <laughs> sorting out with my editing, but to do a different twist for Stephen King films, I actually took bits from all, from different cameos of Stephen King in the different. Oh, films. nice. <laughs> hey, come here, sugar buns. This machine called me an asshole. Yes, that is in there. <laughs> and I also included the uh, glorious scene from uh, Sleepwalkers. When he's the caretaker of the cemetery and saying, I, oh, I keep this place locked up at night. There's all these perverts coming. I have no control. Hey, hey, buddy, go talk to someone in charge. I'm busy here. That line came from Tobey Hooper. <laughs> then he goes to the next guy. Hey, I take good things around, care of things around here. I lock things up at night. I can't control whatever perverts come in here and do things. And they go, buddy, buddy, go talk to the sheriff. That line said by Clive Barker. With their yeah, cameos in the same uh, movie. That was so Joe funny. Joe Dante, Toby Hooper, Clive Barker, John Landis, and I think there yes. was a fifth one in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that was the perfect scene for that. So uh let's see, there's your five, a very admirable list. Joe, what do you got? I struggled. Misery didn't make mine. You struggled with all of yours, dude. <laughs> I know, man. I know. This well, one this was the worst awesome one, though. This and impossible assignment. Because it was his I, idea, wasn't it? It was, and I just tortured <laughs> my fucking self all week long. <laughs> and I, I, I had Misery on there for a while, dropped it off. I rewatched Thinner, and I was like, oh, shit, that's, really, that's like a really great one, too. I ended up just going with some classic stuff and then my usual top two. So mine will probably not shock anyone whatsoever. My number five is Carrie. Good call. Perfect, perfect movie. Even though it's dated because it was made so long ago, it I guess still we should. holds up. Yeah, we I guess we that should. Which version. I, yeah, I was going to say we should clarify since there's like four different versions out. No, there are. There's aren't. not. There's only one wow. version. And Actually, I, I have to admit, the one with the one with Abigail Breslin and uh, help me out here, Redhead, uh, played the mom in the new one. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, Julianne. Julianne. Yeah, Julianne. <laughs> that uh, actually, it was is a decent movie. It was not bad. I thought it was true. pretty good. But yes, the the original De Palma. Yeah, that's it's brilliant. Yeah. The, it's... yeah. The only real one. <laughs> Still to this day. That's like saying that there's movie. no prequels. There's and you know, I, I can't even. We all crashed at the same time. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I have to say that I kind of find how dated it is really charming. Like I yep. love that era yeah. of movie making. So oh, like, yes. it just it adds to it for me. In the end, it's still one of the um, best ends of all time. Seriously. But you know the thing is, as much as that is a good movie, that's one that's one of my one and dones because I just get so angry watching how they just treat her, and it just, it's just one of those unrealistic angers because I hate watching people getting bullied and shit. That I'm just eh, if it's on Amanda can watch it. I'll go and play online or whatever. I just can't watch it. See, I don't mind it because I know how it ends. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I know how it ends. Get to the prom. But... <laughs> So uh, what's next up on your list there, Joe? 
the next up is The Shining, even though, as earlier stated, Stephen King hates that version. Uh, the Kubrick version for me is still one of the best horror films. Didn't understand a fucking bit of it the first time I saw it as a kid, but once I watched it again as an adult, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And there's still bits where I'm like, reaction. I don't understand where this still comes from, but okay. Oh, kind of bear suit getting a blowjob, whatever. Oh, the, <laughs> Let's just throw it all in there. You know, I didn't even pick up on... explains it all, man. Yeah, the bear and the blowjob, okie dokie. <laughs> no, but you know what the funny thing about the bear and the blowjob scene is? I didn't realize that scene was in there until I saw it at the Redford Theater, I think it was a, a year, maybe two years ago. I'm like, <laughs> was this in the uh, versions I've seen all this time? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Go Yogi! <laughs> That's my Way to go, go blow boo boo. <laughs> so that, so yeah, even though you know it, it doesn't get the love from Stephen King, I, I still love it. So that's my number four. Number three, I have to go. Not a horror per se, but horrible things happen in it, and that's Shawshank Redemption. Such a oh. solid movie. Oh, mm-hmm. So good. I, I mean, just. It, and I'm sure a lot of people, that would be like their number one, but I, I have two that I love more than that. But that one, I had no expectation out of it. I was working at a movie theater when it came out and got to screen it the day before it released. And I'm sitting there watching, like, holy shit. I didn't know anything. Like, I don't even remember if I had read the short story at that point. I don't think I had. Or if I did, I didn't remember it. All I knew was, like, oh, it's another Stephen King movie that's not going to be good. And then. Not even 30 minutes until I'm like, oh, shit, I was way wrong. This is really, really great. So that's my number three. Number two, not shocking anyone again, The Mist. I thought that would be your number one. That's my shocker. It, 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 yeah, and there's, there's a movie that edges it out for sentimental reasons. But it, it, technically, I'll say my number one's 1A and The Mist will be 1B. But The Mist had to go at number two <laughs> for me. Um the end of that one. I know people bitch about how it ended, how different it is from the short story. I had the end. They couldn't have picked up before I got to see it. it. Yeah, I mean, they just they couldn't have picked a better ending for that movie. I'm sorry. Even Stephen King said, "I wish I would have written it that way." So even though I disagree with him on the Shining hate, I completely agree with him on the love for the mist. Yeah, man, was one that, of those people that bitched and bitched hard about that ending. <laughs> And everyone I know, for the most part, they get to that part and they just get angry, like completely fucking angry. And I'm like, no, no, that's just perfect, though. Like, they have nothing left to live for. He does this horrible thing, and then all of a sudden, shit fixes itself, sort of, kind of. And then he's got to live with all the horrible shit that just went down. Love it. Just fucking love it. Uh, so the one movie that edged that out, and this has been a favorite since I was a kid, I watch it at least a couple times a year, and that's Stand By Me. That adaption of the body is just spot on. I think, Jen, you said earlier that like the short story kind of captures childhood relationships and everything. The movie nails it as well, and it's it stuck with me all these years. So that would be uh, my number one. So, and uh, Go ahead, Jenny. What do you got for yours? All right. Well, my I, mine aren't really in order. I just couldn't get it to top one. And but my top five um, are Pet Cemetery, 
part of that's sentimental reasons. Part of it's because I had a weird crush on Dale Midkiff. And part of it's <laughs> just because it's really creepy. So, and I love it. Um, not fair. <laughs> I also, I also really, really love the Green Mile. I actually, post, I actually posted that on Don's post <laughs> last night. <laughs> Well, you, I, that's where I was going with that. I was literally <laughs> saying it like that kid. No fair, no fair. That's exactly what came in my head. And I was like, okay, we got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I mean, so, and the Green Mile, and I know that some of mine are kind of books in common with my list of movies, too, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I love the Green Mile. It makes me ball every time. I think it's beautifully acted, beautifully shot. It's just it's an awesome movie. Um, I also have it on my list. It may not be the most quality, like <laughs> some of the effects aren't all that special, but Tim Kerr is scary as hell. And I love John Ritter. So we yeah. all float down here. Oh. We all float <laughs> here. Um, I also had stand by me on my list. And it's pretty much just what Joe said. It just sums up childhood friendship just beautifully. And every actor in it is just astonishing. It just breaks your heart. It's awesome. Um, and my last one actually hasn't been mentioned at all. And I don't, maybe, maybe there's only like one of us that like it, but um, Storm of the Century. I fucking I've never love seen it. Storm of yeah, the I haven't Century. seen it either. Oh my gosh. Colm Fior is in it and he is creepy and amazing. It is really spooky, and um, it's in a way, it's kind. Of, it reminds me a little bit of Thirty Days of Night, only in the fact that they they're on an island, so they're completely shut off from everybody during this huge storm. And basically, I mean, he's pretty much like the devil. He shows up and is like, "Oh hey, I want this," and they're like, "Oh, sorry about your luck. No thanks, creepy guy." They put him in jail, and he's turns out he's not just your run-of-the-mill creepy fella and oh it's really fucking good i recommend it highly i'll have to look it up yeah uh for myself uh my five um already mentioned carrie that the thing i looked at when i broke down i mean i started off with a list of 26 movies <laughs> i just kind of went through his the, the adaptations of things that i'd seen i had like 26 films and so I narrowed that down to a top ten, which was a very brutal cut down to a, an eight. And then I finally <laughs> settled in. The I looked more at, and to, to, to look at that top ten, out of that top ten, there's only one of them that is not done by a, a top-notch director or a, a big-name director. I mean, uh, Creepshow was kind of an outlier in my top ten by Romero, but when I narrowed down the my top six, because I could have swapped out Misery for Stand By Me. Misery is another one of my top five. But to look at the uh, well, the another outlier as well as Christine with uh, Carpenter as a director. But to look at my what I ended up with my top five, you got Carrie by Brian De Palma, Misery by Rob Reiner, who also did Stand By Me. But then the other three. It just shows Frank Darabont should be the one who adapts all of Stephen King's books. Witness. Because <laughs> my, my top three are The Green Mile, Shawshank, 
in the mist. Not necessarily in any direct order, but that's that's kind of how I helped narrow down my list. I'm like, well, who helped make these movies? And to see that, yeah, three three of the five favorites were done by Frank Darabont. So that's where mine is. I admit too that I I had not seen Mist for the first time until about a year ago, year or two ago. Oh wow! What's well, again, Rick Cross? You gotta watch it. What do you mean you haven't seen it yet? Oh my god! <laughs> and you gotta find the black and white version too. And I was just about to say, you if you've not watched the Blu-ray black and white version, you have not watched the movie. Uh, I'm sitting here. I've, I've been making notes as we've been talking, and you know what? We actually still have about ten minutes left for the show. We've done good today, folks. Killer. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's going on back to Stand by Me real quick. Uh huh. Um. As you guys were saying, it nails childhood innocence and growing up and all that stuff. And I, every time I watch it, much like uh, Jenny, it, it comes on. I, I'm going to sit and watch it. I'm not going to turn it off. If I have mm-hmm. plans, fuck it. The dishes can wait. Um, <laughs> but I, I, every time I watch it, I always think it, think about how you know the group of friends I grew up with. I think oh, I yeah. just recently started talking again with the people that lived in my neighborhood. And, you know, they're bringing up stuff that, you know, about growing up, I don't even remember. But every time I watch that movie, I think about those friends every single time. Oh, yeah. That, because I, when I saw it in the theater, <clears throat> excuse me, was about the time I was that age. Mm-hmm. And that's why it, or well, a little bit older than that, because look at it, it came out in 86, so I would have been 13. But, you know, still in that ballpark of age that there's a lot of it that resonated as, you know, just a boy growing up. And, yeah, well, yeah, it even that's what I was trying. I just pulled it up on the IMDb quotes because trying to remember it just because it did resonate that the line at the, the very end of the movie. Cause let me wait a minute. What date did it come out? OK, yeah, it was 13. It came out in August. So it came out after my after I just turned 13. But just the line at the end. I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anybody? And that just, Honestly, I don't think you do. I know. that. <laughs> God, that even makes me emotional right now. I'm overtired, folks. I've had like maybe 10 hours sleep in the last two days. <laughs> um, you know, the show is brought to you by Monster Energy Drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just even thinking about that at the end because just the way it all wraps up and... It does that I've got friends from that age that, that that are there's still those friends you could I could call up right now and say, Hey, I need you and if they don't have something that, you know, truly has them obligated with their own family or something else, they're like, I'll be there. So yeah, that let me put that in my top five again. <laughs> I was just thinking more of the uh the adventures you had when you were that age. Like oh, yeah. uh they're you know, walk along the train tracks. I just remember some of the, uh, shall we say, foolhardiness that we got into when we were that age. And just thinking, holy shit, you, you do that now, and next thing you know, you're, you got Child Protective Services calling. Yeah, yeah if I you're a free-range scarred. child now, you're fucked. You're not going yeah. anywhere. You're not leaving the yard. Well, like, and I think that that's kind of a common thread with it also. Like, when you're, other than the scene, you know the scene, um... Orgy. Anyway, um, 
like other than that scene, I mean, the way he like builds their relationships and how different people interact with different other members of their group, it just is so good. And it was almost hard to believe that an adult wrote the body and wrote it because it just kind of blew you away Mm -hmm. that someone was able to capture that, that little something that's different about childhood friendships than adult friendships. Well, there's a, there's the bits that I remember seeing in an interview once upon a time when uh, I think it was after standby me came out that uh, talking to Stephen King about it. And he said the body is actually semi autobiographical off of some of the things that happened to him as a kid, which they, of course, in the interview had to ask about the infamous leech scene. <laughs> and that's why he, he shows the guy on camera and he says, well, yeah, yeah I got the, I mean, oh, show, shows on his arm. He's like, I got this scar here. I got another one here. And then I got another one. I really can't show you on camera. <laughs> so essentially the Will, Will Wheaton's character in that was, kind of the embodiment of Stephen King at that age, being the writer and everything. So, yeah, that that movie's good. And, well, and that, along with the the direction as well, you got to say, Rob Reiner's good at doing stuff like that on a whole. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a bad Rob Reiner movie. <laughs> well, like, I, I'm kind of a nut for commentary on DVDs and stuff, and mm-hmm. the commentary on Stand By Me is so worth listening to. They they talk about how it was either the commentary or it was like a, um, like a making of type of thing, but they talk about how awesome he was with the child actors and how he kind of got them to those emotional places without scarring them terribly for the rest of their lives. And yeah. It's just, I love that movie so much. Oh yeah. That's when Rob Reiner was on a roll to look at the, uh, let's see, he did this is spinal tap. Then the sure thing, God, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Uh, it then goes Stand by Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Salary, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Damn, he did have a role. Yeah, that's over a seven-year period. That, or well, no, actually eight-year period. If you go back to Spinal Tap, that's <laughs> that's an impressive run as a director <laughs> for a guy who used to be called Meathead on a sitcom. <laughs> Genetics rule out. Did he used to be married to Penny Marshall, too? They were briefly, if I remember right. Uh, well, folks, that actually does kind of bring us up on time. We managed to hit that. This is a, this is a good warm-up for our top 25s. <laughs> I think that's going to that's definitely going to have to be two episodes, at least. There's going to be more debate and discussion on that one. And anger and fighting, but... Yeah. <laughs> but I, still did, I haven't even started doing research for that yet. I got a list of like 40, so I just need to, I need to start trimming on it. I think the funny thing is I wrote down, you know, all of our choices. There's not one film that is on all four of our lists. <laughs> There's some that are on three out of four and two out of four and then a lot, a few outliers, but that, I guess that just shows very variations of taste, what, what connects with you when and how, but also there's just that much good material out there that's been adapted by Mr. Stephen King. Happy birthday again, Mr. King. We could actually sing happy birthday legally. Yes, we can. <laughs> we can. Not that we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. We can. Doesn't mean we should. If only we had kazoos. <laughs> 
Well, and there's this other horror writer whose birthday is actually tomorrow. I'm not going to name any names. That would be me. True. So Thank we're all silently saying happy birthday. <laughs> Just know that. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Clap, 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 clap. I was just going, should goes. I flash you or oh, should I just oh. let it go? So I always remember one of the times we were at like an Applebee's or a Red Robin or some, one of those places where it had, you know, this wait staff comes out and sings the happy birthday stuff. And it was when Lisa and I were still dating or, or, well, I think we're engaged at that point. Anyways, that we were one of those places eating and that goes on. And she looks at me and I look at her and he says, I'll tell you now, honey, you ever take me to a place like that and you ever pull shit like that? I will get up and walk out of the restaurant. <laughs> there was actually, uh, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, there was, was actually my... this comic that I had posted on my fridge for years. I don't remember what comic strip it was. It was a Sunday comic because it was in color. But it was, um, it showed these like guards standing there and going, happy, happy birthday, happy birthday, snake, happy birthday, felon. We hope you like this cake. And it said, what happens when the manager of Chili's ends up becoming a correctional officer or something like that? It <laughs> made me laugh so hard. I had it on my fridge for like three years. My, my favorite was always one of the episodes of Robot Chicken, one of the little sketches when it shows like one of those places that the guys are like, happy, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday. And you see the guy just sitting there kind of with his arms crossed looking at the cake. And his buddy's across the table got his arms out like, hey, see, see what I did? And you see him look at the cake, look at his buddy, look at the cake, and then just punch his buddy straight hard in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at what Lisa and I were watching and I said, yeah, <laughs> I totally get him. Well, on that note, folks, now we are definitely up to time. So, hey, uh, you can catch us over on Facebook on the podcast Macabre. Uh, you can catch me over on uh, Twitter at underscore Duckman underscore. And uh, please check out my blog, uh, Making It Through the Middle, uh, over on blogger.com. I am coming up with an idea of something horror theme to do through October like I did last year with my uh, global terror alert. And uh, I'll probably share those links up, too, because I enjoyed doing that last year, horror movies around the world. Joe? You can catch me on Twitter at that Joe Myers or catch us on Twitter at Podcast Macabre. Jenny? You can find me on Twitter at tattooed underscore Jenny. Um, and I also have a blog on WordPress. It's Snark Attack 101. Wish your happy birthday on Twitter. I like it. I like the attention. <laughs> Don't we show all? Her, Why show her, you your, boob- doing show her your boobies. Show her your boobies. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Throw them out Monday. <laughs> We encourage them. Dress them up like pumpkins. You can find me at BullyingGoal71 on Twitter, and pre-orders have now started for the Kindle versions of Nightmare and Echoes Part 2, The Return. And, yep, I've gone erotic. You wouldn't picture that from a person of my height and build, but yes, I've gone erotic, erotic, put your hands all over my butt. Anyway, uh, it's called Shivers and Lace. It's a erotic anthology that has some, shall we say, horror or supernatural or whatever attached to it, and I'm one of the writers. Go figure. Who knew? My idea of erotica is, I'm done, your turn. But I digress. <laughs> That's going to be a really short, short story then. 
chapter I'm not one. Gonna give a, honestly, I am not going to give away the story because I, when I initially approached them because they asked if anyone would be willing to do it, um, I said, well, I've never really wrote erotica before. What, what are the limitations? And she said, well, it has to be Amazon safe. I go, well, what's safe on Amazon? Pretty much fucking anything. Just no pedophilia. Literally fucking anything. <laughs> Just no pedophilia, and I forgot what the other one was. So when I initially wrote the story, I had to use a little bit of inspiration, and it'll be clear as day what the inspiration was when you read the story, if you've ever met her. <laughs> yes, Amanda, I'm talking to you. Okay. Well, with that, folks, uh, we're definitely out of here. So uh, I've been Chris. I'm Joe. I'm Jenny. And it's going to be a long-ass time before my ass is in Philly ever again. So remember, folks, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.